Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. One, one pitch. Fastball pulled and Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Adam, Scott, Heath, and Chris. We got big news. We got a starting third baseman in Pittsburgh that we might be pretty excited about in fantasy. The dude's got some pop. Welcome, everybody. This is Fantasy Baseball Today. It is Tuesday, two days to fill out your brackets in our bracket challenge and hopefully get into the podcast league. I'm Adam Azer. Say hello to Chris Towers. What's up? Hey, guys. Hey. I'm a little disappointed that Heath didn't take off his blue hoodie because now we look kind of like we're matching. Um, yes. And yeah, yeah. I just think, like, seniority, I should be the one who gets to keep the jacket on. You have been at CBS longer, yeah. and you are the boss. And I'm middle-aged. I've been on Earth longer. Yeah. That's not how it works. So I think I have seniority. You actually stole you stole what I was going to say, because it is pretty hilarious that Team Kreeth is matching right now. Uh, and Scott, hello, Scott, how are you? Good. I have my own shade of blue, but I don't look like I tried to do it. <laughs> it's, it's really cute, guys. Okay, so today, overdrafted and underdrafted players. We're getting a lot of questions about late-round picks. Who are our favorite late-round picks? Well, we'll tell you some of our favorite late-round picks We'll read some emails at uh, fantasybaseball.cbsi.com, including a couple of questions about head-to-head categories leagues. And five big questions. We did it yesterday. It was a smashing success. Everybody loved it. So we'll do five big questions again today. Let's start with uh, news and notes. Not a ton, but Jung-Ho Gong is going to be Pittsburgh's starting third baseman. Eric Gonzalez will be Pittsburgh's shortstop. Heath, talk to me about the left side of the Pittsburgh infield. Well, we're not going to talk about Eric Gonzalez because he is a terrible hitter and is only getting to start at shortstop because of his ability to play defense. And they need somebody that's good at defense over there because Jung Ho Gong's really not. Um, but what Gong has been is pretty exciting when he's been a red, an everyday player. He's got a 274 average. He's got an 837 OPS, hit 36 home runs in just about 230 major league games. So I do think this is a guy who, if, and it's a question mark because it's been over a year now, but if he can get back to that level, he could be a guy that's looking like a very good option as a starting corner infielder and could push to be a starting third baseman in fantasy. Yeah, I took a look at him in our 12-team Roto League that starts quarter infielders. He He was drafted, I had forgotten, so he was not available, but... Just looking at 2016, if he had played 155 games, he would have been the number 14 third baseman in points leagues, um, which would have been the, that fantasy point total would have made him number 13 in 2018. So based on that production, it's mostly home runs. Scott, for Gong, it's probably not a one third baseman type of league, right? And that's kind of what Heath was saying. Still more like those deeper roto leagues. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, especially now. I mean, if he gets back to that level, like Heath was saying, and there's no, there's no evidence he is. I mean, his spring, he had five home runs. They were his only five hits. He struck out in like half his at bats, uh, and hasn't played. It's, it's been, I mean, he got a little time at the end of last season, but for the most part, it's been two full years since he played. He's 32 now. Uh, it's, it, you know, deeper leagues, deeper leagues. He's a sleeper for deeper leagues. All right. Clayton Kershaw is going to begin the season on the injured list. So, Chris, uh, which starting pitchers are you drafting? Let's talk about all the draftable starting pitchers for the Dodgers in order. 
Okay, Walker Bueller one, Clayton Kershaw two. Then well, then what? It, it looks like you don't read CBSSports.com's fantasy baseball coverage, Adam, because <laughs> I actually wrote about this very topic yesterday, and I'm a little wary of sharing this on the podcast okay. because we still have drafts to go. But something that Heath and I were talking about yesterday, and I, I realized it's a pretty good idea, is you can actually just draft every Dodgers pitcher. And last year they had a, a starting pitcher ERA of 318. Uh, I was looking at ATC uh, projections from Ariel Cohen. He has them projected for 344 ERA collectively, the seven guys. Um, Clayton Kershaw, Walker Bueller, Kenta Maeda, Rich Hill, Ross Stripling, Julio Arias, and Hyunjin Ryu. And what I realized is you can draft Bueller in like late third, early fourth, Kershaw in the fifth, take nothing but really good hitters and closers for your next six picks. And then it's like in a five round succession, you could just reach a round or two early and get all the other guys. And all of a sudden you've got the whole starting pitching staff who are going to put up, I think across the board, very good ratios. And you're minimizing the risk of Kershaw or Bueller or any one of them. Cause they all have risks uh, individually. But you've got two backup starting pitchers at all times. When Kershaw doesn't make his first start or he goes on the DL in June, you've got the guy who's going to step in and be really good in his replacement. I think this is a really good idea, and I really want to try it in one of our remaining mock drafts. That is fun. I like that. Now, that's a great article to read on CBSSports.com, but there's a better one. (laughs) And it's by Heath Cummings. And it's it's about his draft strategies. My perfect draft strategy for points, rotisserie, and head-to-head categories. Heath, outstanding work. Outstanding. Thank you, work. Adam. I, I appreciate that. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, it's good stuff. Um, and maybe something we'll talk about later in the week. Ichiro is going to be in the lineup when they play in Japan, which is just a reminder that we've got baseball coming up on March 20th and March 21st, 5:35 in the morning. On March 20th, and again on March 21st. So we'll be uh, excited for that. Uh, that's tomorrow, right? That's tomorrow, yeah. The Yankees signed Gio Gonzalez. To Are we going to try to wake up? I'll be I, up for I, some of it. I'll be up by the fourth inning anyway. Yeah, yeah. Come on, wake up. Wake up, Chris. I might try. God, my wife would be so mad if my alarm started going off at 530 in the morning. Like, that might, we might get divorced if I did that two nights in a row. <laughs> Uh, okay, especially if it was to watch A's Mariners. Scott, um, <laughs> Gio Gonzalez to the Yankees on a minor league deal. What does it mean? I don't think it impacts, like, Domingo Herman's the one we're most excited about, right? It doesn't look like, uh, Jonathan Luizaga is going to have a spot at the start, and Luis Sessa, I think we've seen enough of him, despite his pretty good spring showing here. So it's mostly Herman who we're thinking, we don't want it to impact. And, like, I mean, Gio Gonzalez is going to have to build up his innings. It's a minor league deal. So, he, obviously, that's where he's going to go to begin the season. He has an opt-out on April 20th if he's not in the majors by then. And I think there's a good chance he isn't if the Yankees are getting good production from the starters already there. I mean, the reason he had to settle for a minor league deal is it doesn't look like Gio Gonzalez is a very good starting pitcher anymore. Had a 144 whip last year with a... Uh, Babbitt right around 300, and uh, his velocity's been down the last couple of years, not missing bats like he used to. Okay, great. 
So doesn't mean much. Uh, Dustin Pedroia. Oh, by the way, another Yankees note. Uh, Dalvin Batanzas is really struggling there. Seems to be a bit concerned about him. He's just behind because uh, he got started late in spring training. He's throwing like 91 miles per hour. So I know people are drafting Dalvin Batanzas. Be aware he's having a really uh, kind of concerning spring. Dustin Pedroia is going to start the season on IL. Eduardo Nunez and Brock Holt will apparently platoon at second base, which is annoying because I would love to see Eduardo Nunez uh, win that job. But are are any of those second base options, Pedroia, Nunez, or Brock Holt, worth drafting right now? AL only. On a standard mixed league, no. Okay. Uh, Byron Buxton's having a big spring. Is anybody buying in? I think it's worth moving him up. Um, we've never seen him have, have a spring like this, so that's nice. But also, he's only struck out four times in 33 plate appearances. It's not just all home runs. It's not just all BABIP. He is hitting the ball really well. He's a 1450 OPS in 33 plate appearances. Now, 33 plate appearances. Yes, Byron Buxton has had 33 good plate appearances before. But given that we were kind of writing him off entirely coming into the spring, it's just it serves as a as a reason to draft him, I think. My problem is, and I, I'm, I've been more than willing to draft him the entire time. I think he's been in my top 200 since before spring training started. I've got him. I can't keep up. Like, the hype on Byron Buxton yeah. from everyone else is so... Every time I get ready to move him up 20 spots, everybody else has already moved him up 30 spots. So I've got him right around pick 170 now. I could see taking him in the first 13 or 14 rounds. I can't imagine I'm ever going to get him. Well, his ADP over the last week on NFBC is 150th. Uh, he has gone as high as 64th. Yeah. So, Who, who would you rather take, Byron Buxton or Billy Hamilton? Uh, depends how badly, if, if I desperately need steals, Billy Hamilton. If I'm just looking for a player with upside, it's, it's Byron Buxton. Okay. Who would you rather take Byron Buxton or Brandon Nimmo? Probably Nimmo. Yeah, I'll take Nimmo. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. I'd, I'd rather, I'd rather take I mean, Domingo it's... Santana. Yeah. Are, are we sure Domingo Santana is yeah. an everyday player? No, I'm not. I'm not sure he's good. Uh, yeah, because they have a bit of a log jam. I, look, it, it looks like Jay Bruce is going to play a lot. Um, he's been he was he was batting third when it looked like they were running their regular lineup out there uh, in in the their most recent exhibition game in Japan, uh, and that's without Daniel Vogelbach because they were putting Ichiro in the lineup. So, I, I mean, I don't know that Vogelbach's going to play that much. I would guess he would play the least of the three, Bruce uh, and uh, Domingo Santana. But seeing as Santana is the one right-handed hitter of the bunch, I could see how he could get squeezed. Yeah, and Malik Smith not playing in these uh, games in Japan either. Okay, uh, just a couple but, other— right. But you can you can have Dan Vogelbach, Jay Bruce, and Domingo Santana all in the lineup, right? No. Yeah, no. Yes, while, no, while Seeger is out— uh, yeah, you have Vogelbach at DH, Hanniger in center, Santana in left, Bruce in oh, right. He's playing first. Edwin Encarnacion. Or Vogelbach's oh, at first. Oh, he's just going to play first all the, all the time? Well, then Vogelbach will play first, and Encarnacion will DH. Well, right now they've been putting Bruce at uh, at Bruce at first base. But okay. Well, yeah, I, when Malik Smith comes back. Yeah, that's the question. Somebody? Is Malik Smith going to be out for the next 10 days? No, he's, that's it. He's going to be ready. Is, is this going to linger? 
He's supposed to be ready for opening day. I mean, that's at least what I thought. The real opening day. That's where, yeah, he's uh, he's the one that I don't think has concerns about playing time. No. So then it's... I assume it's Hanniger, uh, Malik Smith, and Domingo Santana in the outfield, Jay Bruce and Encarnacion at first in DH. Okay, but then, then you have to... Which would leave out which is... That's yeah. that's for now. But then when Seager gets back, Ryan Healy's going to be in the mix as well because right now that'll Healy's work itself out. All right, all right, forget yeah, it. Healy's not. Healy's I don't think no. Ryan Healy's taking plate appearances away from Santana. Maybe from, from Domingo Santana. I mean, come on, Domingo Santana got demoted last year. It depends. If he's 2018 Domingo Santana, yeah, he he got sent down. It wasn't. They it don't, wasn't they don't have cause. Christian Yelich, Lorenzo Cain. Right, but Ryan they have Braun. better. Pl- they have players who can be better than 2018 Domingo Santana. Sure. Uh, I'm done here. Injury. We're moving on from the Mariners. We'll see uh, what their lineup looks like tomorrow at 5.30 in the morning. Alex Wood is going to start the year on the IL with a back issue. That means Tyler Malley has a good chance to be in the opening day rotation for the Cincinnati Reds. Wood could be back in mid-April. And the Padres are still, according to Ken Rosenthal, interested in Trevor Bauer and Corey Kluber. So we'll keep an eye on that, but nothing appears imminent. Get in the bracket challenge. If you need the link, please email me, fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. I will send you a link to our bracket challenge. If you're in first place at the end of this weekend, I know it's only two rounds, You will. I'll pick one of the It'll be a lot of ties. I'll pick somebody to be in the podcast league. Um, if you're a football listener and you win the whole thing, then you will be in the football podcast league. So uh, let me know if you want in. Again, I'll email you, and I'll tweet it all the time as well, the bracket challenge link. Sportsline.com. Sign up right now with the promo code Vegas. Get the optimal bracket. Get the upset bracket. Get great tournament picks. Get some fantasy advice. Awesome website. Sportsline.com. Promo code is Vegas. $1 for your first month. And make sure you're watching on CBS Sports HQ. It's one of our favorite weeks of the year. And uh, you can follow it all live with CBS Sports HQ. It's a free 24-hour sports news network. We've got, we got the tournament highlights, the analysis, the picks, the bracketology, and uh, live shows to help you with your office pools. CBS Sports HQ, it is always on. You can stream it live on all of your devices on the CBS Sports app. Let's do five big questions. <laughs> how, uh, question one, how do you pronounce tournament? <laughs> do, tournament. Do I say it weird? NCAA tournament. How do you say I it? I say tournament. Oh, that's, yeah, I mean, that's that's fine. <laughs> you he, wouldn't say, oh, no. Would it be a tourniquet or a tourniquet? A tourniquet. A t- no, yeah, it's a he, tourniquet. He makes me out to be like I'm a New York like deli owner. It's like, yo, you want some tourniquet? Like, he's ridiculous. But <laughs> hey, I'm walking here. Exactly. Usually, I'm against teeth and in questionable pronunciations, but tournament. That's how I've always said it. I don't think there's one right. The English language is fluid, uh, based on where regional dialects. So I think you're fine, Adam. Yeah. Thank you. You live your life. I- and my wife and I were talking yesterday. Isn't it weird that F R O G and D O G don't rhyme? Isn't that weird? What? Excuse me. Frog. Say F R O G. That animal. Frog. frog. Say D O G. Dog. Dog. They don't rhyme. Frog and dog definitely rhyme. No, frog it's and frog dog. and what dog. dog. <laughs> they what don't say no. <laughs> it's frog and this is like. Dog, like D-A-U-G, <laughs> is how everybody pronounces dog. You frog don't say dog. One hundred percent different. How do you they're say different. dog? Dog. Frog. And how do you say, say frog? frog? Frog. Dog. Frog. Dog. You see, they're different. Frog. Yeah, you just say dog. Frog. Dog. <laughs> no, I say it right. I'm like picking the frogs to win the tournament. <laughs> 
Oh, yeah. Scott used to say shield. That's right. Okay. Uh, five big questions. <laughs> why don't frog and dog rhyme? And why not, why not Malik Smith? Why shouldn't Malik Smith be the centerpiece of your Steel's strategy? He goes a lot later than Adalberto Mondesi. I like Jonathan. It. You said Jonathan VR? No. Malik Smith. I said Malik Smith. Malik Smith. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Malik. The same reason you don't build your lineup around Luke Voigt or your pitching staff around Nathan Ivaldi. He had one good half season ever in the majors. That's not to say I don't necessarily believe in it, but it's a single season. Didn't, didn't Mondesi have one good half season? Right, right. I'm, I'm, I'm not even talking like I, I've made my skepticism of Adalberto Mondesi pretty well known. Um, but there hasn't been quite as much skepticism expressed about Malik Smith. And it's possible he goes back to being a 265 hitter. And, you know, with his complete and utter lack of power, he might not be worth playing every day for the, the Mariners if he's a 265. The hitter. one thing I will yeah. say in his defense is the skepticism is being expressed in his ADP. I think his ADP, uh, just looking at Yahoo right now, is right around 150. Oh, that's like, that's, that's lower than Fantasy Pros. It's like really 154. 112 on M- NFBC. Yeah, 113 um, on Fantasy Pros for Malik Smith. Yeah. I, I mean, the thing about Adalberto Mondesi is it's an ability to get a steel stud who you know, also provides power, which Malik Smith doesn't. He may but, provide batting average like he did last year, but it, you know, it's, he needed, he needed a pretty high Babbitt to hit for that mark. I think it's just as likely that he hits 290 as Mondesi hits more than 22 home runs. I mean, I, I would just say this. Mondesi's upside is higher, like the 90th per, or the 80th percentile, whatever you want to look at, is higher. I think there's also a higher chance that Alberto Mondesi ends up in the minors at some point. Okay, second big question. Which ace starting pitcher are you avoiding? And I don't mean like he's going to be a total bust, but you personally, you just you just don't want him. Scott, let's start with you. Ace pitcher that I'm avoiding? Um, I I always hesitate to na- take Noah Syndergaard just because... Oh gee, why? He's, he's, has he? He's never really delivered an A season. He came pretty. He had that 180 inning season that I guess you know it was close enough with his ratios that we could call him an ace. But otherwise, he hasn't done it. And the biggest predictor of an ace for me is has he been an ace before? On a per star basis, absolutely. Noah Syndergaard has. He, he always is. But it's you know he's we're we're pretty deep into his career now and he's never had that season where it all comes together. I mean he he's thrown 190 and 180 innings uh in consecutive seasons. So I Oh, it was more than one season than I thought. No, no he Well, hasn't. no, he threw no. 150 in the majors but combining the minors and the postseason oh, he ended okay. up right around 190 that year. Okay. Um Okay, so but, yeah. I, for me it it's been kind of and I know we want to move quickly so I won't dwell on it too long but I think a lot of his, I wrote about this last week. I think a lot of his injuries have been kind of random. Like he did have bone spurs in his elbow once and then he had a lat injury and then he had a finger injury. Like those could be connected and indicative of some flaw in Noah Syndergaard's body or throwing style or mechanics, but it seems kind of like bad luck. Okay. So who are you avoiding, Chris? Um, 
I don't think I've drafted Blake Snell yet. I, I, I don't know if it's as much about avoiding him as just I prefer Trevor Bauer, uh, who's going a couple spots later. I prefer Garrett Cole, who's going right around the same spot. Um, I'm just a little wary of, of Blake Snell coming off this kind of season. Heath, he who are you? Too good last year. <laughs> uh, I stay away from Patrick Corbin. And I, I just don't know that I quite buy it. And it seems like in every draft I'm in, there's somebody that thinks he's part of the top 12, top 13. Uh, Walker Bueller would also fit in that category in points leagues. I've got him quite a ways behind where the consensus seems to be on him. All Patrick right. Corbin's having an awful spring. Oh, interesting. Uh, big question number three. Who is Trevor Story? He is going 20th overall in Fantasy Pros ADP, which is basically exactly where Scott White has him in both points and roto. Uh, but Heath has him more like 30th overall. Heath, who is Trevor Story? I think Trevor Story is a very good baseball player that plays in one of the best parks in baseball for a hitter. And we saw what his ceiling is last year. I'm just not sure he's quite going to deliver on that. I'd expect a couple, a few less home runs, maybe a few less steals. And there is still the concern for a guy that made that big of a jump in his strikeout rate that it doesn't stick. And if he goes back to being a 30% strikeout rate guy, He's going to be streaky, and it's going to be frustrating. It, guys, yeah. guys, is he worth a top 20 pick? No. I don't think it's I mean, baking in enough of the downside. He did. He is three for three in steals this spring, so that's encouraging to see. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to depend a lot on if he can sustain that lower strikeout rate. It's just it's rare to find the kind of five-category trick contributor he was last year after the first round. And sometimes he makes it to the third. Yeah. So Story stole 27 bases in 33 attempts last year in 157 games. That made him the number four shortstop in points, number two in Roto. If he had only stolen eight bases, which is what he did in 2016 and 17, basically, although in 2016 it was eight steals in 97 games, uh, he he would have gone from the number four shortstop in points leagues to number five, and that's still really good because the top shortstops were excellent last year. So he still would have had a great year mm, even if he hadn't yeah. been a base. I, I thought you were going to say something different, actually. Yeah, would have fallen to ninth. I mean, look, maybe he would have scored fewer runs as well. There, that's part of. The, I, I couldn't do that calculation, but if you just yeah, I think that would be minimal. Yeah, just take away the the. 38 points going from 27 steals to uh, 8 steals, and he still would have been a top-five shortstop and a really, really good hitter. Um, so, I don't know. Maybe you draft Trevor Story and don't bank on him being your steals source. Like, if he, if he gives you it, great. If not, I think you could, I think you can get 15. Just don't bank I think on he's 30. an upside play. I, I don't think you're banking on it. But, but he's not really an upside play in the second round. He could be a first-round athlete. Um, but I just don't think you're looking at him the way you're looking at some other guys in that range and saying, I know exactly what I'm getting from Trevor Story. What you're, what you're doing there is you're thinking he can help me win my league or lose it. It's a, it's a high variance play. I think the same thing with Adoberto Mondesi a round or two later. That was my next question. Who would you rather have Story in, let's say round two or three or Mondesi in round three or four? Story. Well. <laughs> I think there's yeah. basically zero percent chance Trevor, a healthy Trevor Story, loses his job this year. Scott, I think there's maybe a 
20 to 30 percent chance that happens to add our belt to Mondesi. I'll say Mondesi just because I don't want to spend a second round pick on story. Okay. Hey, Scott, would you rather have Mike Trout in the first round or a discounted Mondesi? This is a real question. Trout in the first round or Mondesi in the sixth round? Oh, come on. (laughs) Come on. I'd rather have Trout. Okay. I'd rather have Trout. All right. He said something terrible about Mondesi. You all heard it. Uh, next big question. Joey Votto, 52nd overall. Or Jose Abreu, 74th overall. I find myself a lot of times in this point in the draft at the end of the fourth round, and Votto, Abreu, Carpenter are all there, and I'm very happy to just take which one of the three falls the furthest. I, I think they're all good values right now, but I'll take Abreu because he's going 20 picks later. Okay. I'll go Votto. I, I don't think there's any way Jose Abreu, even in the, in you know at a discount in the sixth or seventh round, wins you a fantasy league. I think the best case scenario is that he's a pretty good first baseman. Uh and it's and it's I think it's more true in Roto. Um I I just That's I good. think there's what? That he's good in Roto? Well I, I think in Roto there's less of a chance that he turns out to be this like really, really good value. I think he can be a pretty good value, but I I don't think there's any outcome where Jose Abreu is a first round value. And Joey Votto obviously was that as recently as the season before last. I was actually going to say just the opposite. I, I feel like Jose Abreu is the one I like to wait for in a Roto League because uh, I feel like his value is pretty disproportionate between the two formats since you know, batting average is a big part of what makes him good when he is good. Uh, well, meanwhile, you know, a lot of those other first basemen walk a lot. Yeah, actually, it's an interesting comparison, Vado and Abreu, because Vado is is much safer in points leagues. Last year he was like 12th in points and like 20th in Roto, and Abreu is better in Roto. Um, you know, they, these guys are really interesting because Abreu, Scott and I have talked about it, I think, a lot, and I guess maybe we all have. Like, we love his value in the 70s, and if you miss out on all the good first basemen, all the great first basemen, he's a great fallback option. But he has been, in two of the last three years, probably not worth the 70th pick, especially, especially last year. Uh, 2016. Two of the last three? Yeah, 2016, he was the number 11, 11 in points, number 15 in Roto. He only scored 67 runs. He only hit 25 home runs. But, yeah. It's two of the last three. That was the year he had a really slow start, I feel like. So, I mean, maybe that's, it's not fair to just excuse it, but. But he's also 32. Yeah. Yeah, bottom 35. Yeah. Yeah, but like. Like if. It's possible last year was the big start of a decline for Abreu. I don't see it looking at the uh, at the un- the batted ball profile. It looks. Yeah, Wait, he, are we talking about Votto or Abreu now? <laughs> well, but I'm, I'm talking about Abreu. <laughs> well, his hard hit rate fell from 40.5 to 37.9, and that was in a league context where hard hit rate was up like four points, I think. So we do have to keep that in mind. Yeah. His infield fly ball rate, pop up rate. Went way up, higher. doubled. Yeah, that's so like he he replaced some home runs with pop ups. That's the main thing I see. Mm-hmm. Okay. Also, he had testicular torsion. Just wanted to make sure I mentioned that. Last big question, <laughs> Scott. I'm going to give this one to you. I'm going to give you 30 seconds to answer it. Which prospects are worth drafting? <sighs> um, <the laughs> got a blanking here. 
so obviously Vladimir Guerrero, Aloy Jimenez, those are the highest two. Uh, you know, Nick Senzel, Pete Alonso. We they might they might make the opening day roster, but if they don't, they'll be up soon afterward. Uh, sounds like Chris Paddock's going to make this the rotation for the Padres from the get go, and Jesus Lazardo of the Athletics might as well. So I think they're all worth drafting. If you go in a little deeper format, Fernando Tatis, I think, is somebody you're stashing with the hope of a midseason call up. And um, Austin Hayes in a five outfielder league, I think, is joins that group. Anybody I'm missing, guys? I mean, Forrest Whitley could contribute at some you point. Say Kyle Wright? Hard to know when. Kyle Wright, yeah, it sounds like he'll be in the Braves rotation to begin with. I don't think his upside is so apparent that he's like must draft at this point, but uh, he could certainly be a much bigger contributor than what about Garrett Hampson drafted as today. I don't Garrett think Hampson. he's a, a prospect. Like Victor Robles Hampson? is still technically a prospect. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, he already has a job. Basically. Francisco Mejia is still technically a prospect. I could see Keston Hira. Hira. I don't know how to pronounce his name. Uh, Second baseman for the Brewers, who had a really nice season last year and has been one of their best hitters in the spring. Um, I could see him getting a chance if the Mike Moustakis at second base uh, experiment goes wrong. Like I could see if either Moustakis or Shaw gets off to a bad start and the defense is really bad. I could see them kind of moving away from that because they do have a very good second base prospect, you know, who looks pretty close to major league ready. All right, we got to uh, read some questions about categories, leagues, do some late round picks, overdrafted and underdrafted. And I just started a Twitter poll. Say them out loud and tell me: Do frog and dog rhyme? You see the way I said it? They don't. Like they don't rhyme. So, yeah, the way you gonna, say it because you say frog. This is going to go the way your Hotel California versus International Players oh. anthem poll went. Where you got like twenty percent of the vote, and you were so sure you were right. Yeah, I am right. That is it's the like, stupidest. It's like the Avengers quote. What's the stupid Avengers quote that you're going to say about this stupid? It's like I, I know what it's like to to feel you're right so desperately and still lose. <laughs> That's you, Adam, on all of your opinions. I, what is the International Players Anthem? Is that what it's called? Can we just move on? Because I've seen something in the notes that made me so angry that I want to yell at you about it. So I want to get to that. 16 votes all are yes so far. Frog and dog do rhyme. <laughs> I know that this is just not true. All right, we got to take a quick break. When we come back, let's find out what Heath is mad about uh, regarding my notes. We'll be right back on Fantasy Baseball today. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on homes.com. As somebody who's been through this, I can tell you these features are so, so incredibly valuable. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools, and their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. The area you live in is just as important as the house itself. You can get to know a neighborhood without ever setting foot in it. Say you're a really active person. You could find out about the nearest parks. Do they have a baseball field? Maybe you want to join a softball league like Chris and I play in. 
Also, Homes.com collaboration tools makes it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com, we've done your homework. Okay, Heath, uh, what did I do? Well, I thought we'd get to it at some point. You want to do overdraft and underdrafted players at some point, right? Uh, yeah, I think in about 10 minutes we need to do that. Okay, okay. so we'll I'll, get to I'll that. yell then. Okay, uh, let's do, um, let's do these two questions about categories leagues. And sorry, I forgot the name on this email. Guys, you've discussed and completed a mock draft for head-to-head categories. It sounds like you were doing a weekly lineups league. What if the league were set up as daily lineups? Would you still continue with the same pitching strategy, top aces, and relief heavy pitching? Oh, I think it's even it's even more valuable in daily lineups because not only can you cycle through those guys in your lineup, but you can start adding middle relievers. And then if you get to the end of the week, say Friday, and you're really low on wins or strikeouts, but you have a really big lead in ERA, then you can just start adding guys who are going to start on Saturday and Sunday and just try to to make up those those raw stats. I think. There's a lot more you can do in daily lineups. The one thing to watch with daily lineup leagues is what are your restrictions? Do you have to have a certain number of inning pitch? Do you have a max number of starts for your starting pitchers? Or a minimum. Or a minimum. Either one. And those, I like the leagues that don't have any rules as far as that goes, but if your league has a rule on that, that's the one what place it could definitely change. And I hate daily lineup leagues. Oh, no, I like daily lineup leagues. I've definitely well, come around. It's way too much work. Chris to doesn't even like setting his lineup yeah. once a week, <laughs> much less every day. I mean, way I don't, I don't want to turn fantasy baseball into a chore. Come on. I, I mean, I like having one of those. It's, maybe, maybe two. it's a 190-day season, I think. Yeah. That's a long time. That's a really yeah, inevit- big investment. What inevitably happens when I play in a daily lineup league is I just set each day individually on Monday still. Like I said it once a week, but I go through, you know, looking days ahead to make sure nobody has off days, which means, you know, I'm missing like injuries that pop up and stuff. But that's 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 the price I'm willing to pay to feel like I'm still living my life. Sure, I get it. Uh, I I probably play the fewest leagues of the four of us. I play in six leagues and I have two daily lineup leagues. And that's fine for me. But I, I if I were only going to do one baseball league, it would be daily lineups. But I understand you don't want too many of them. Uh, next one here is from Christian in California. Your podcast helped me draft a very solid team. I feel like I have a balanced roster despite some questionable closer options. But is this a problem? I don't see my categories team stacked in any particular category. I feel like it could be, it could be bested by a strong home run or RBI or strikeout team. Should head to head categories players aim to have an edge in particular, in particular categories or shoot for balance? Throughout their rosters. Depends on the scoring format, right? Like if you do one win and one loss every week, then I think you probably, well, I don't know. I guess you want to stack your side heavily on five or six categories or four in a league where you get one win per week. Um, because it doesn't matter if you're, if you win six, four every week. That still counts as a win, where if you win 6-4 every week in a league where you get 10, uh, yeah, let, let me, let me, let me break it. So, I'm enjoying this so, entire, <laughs> this entire segment has been fantastic. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, terrible. Uh, okay. So if you have 10 wins and losses every week, a 6-4 win every week, you're not necessarily going to be in a great place. 
Oh yes, you will. You definitely. Yeah, you're fine. gonna be in the playoffs. Well, but you're not it's gonna win. Like, but you're not gonna win six four every week. Okay, right. this is terrible. That's the thing like you're kind of you're kind of like if, back if you're punting. No, if you're punting multiple categories, and you if you know you're gonna lose three per week, and you have a bad week in ERA yeah, and whip, <laughs> then you're you're gonna lose. You're pretty pretty yeah. gu- guaranteed to lose. Yeah. So that's yeah, that's I, where it comes in. I aim for balance just because I don't. I want to make sure that I, like, like Chris is saying, you're not, you can't be sure that you're going to win what you think you're going to win all the time. And if you, if you give yourself that narrow of a path to victory, I don't think it's going to work out well for you. And then plus you need to have, be able to, uh, work your way out of a trouble that develops during the season that maybe you didn't account for in the draft. And if you only have one path to doing that. You know, Heath, you say something. You find it so funny that everybody else is having trouble explaining the intricacies <laughs> of various formats. You say something. You put yourself on the line. Uh, I'm perfectly fine punting one category, maybe even two. I think this is the one format where you can just, if you want to forget about steals, you can build a team that's awesome in power and batting average and be in great shape. If you want to forget about saves, or on the other hand, if you want to not worry so much about starting pitching, that's generally the strategy I go with is try to build an elite offense, maybe get one ace, definitely get some upside starters, and then build the best bullpen in the league. So I don't necessarily build for balance, but I don't think that ne- that means you're in a bad spot if you do. And once you get past 5x5, five five, six six, if you get to 6x6, six six, and if you get to 7x7, seven seven, you can and maybe even should punt steals because you can definitely afford to lose a category yeah. every week. It just won't make that much of a difference. All right, let's uh, do real quick some late-round picks that you guys— I haven't done enough drafts, so I know we have a mock draft today and I think uh, tomorrow, but uh, one of them at least is on the shallower format. Um, I haven't done enough drafts, unfortunately, but maybe you guys can tell me. I just looked at ADP, uh, like 300 and beyond for some guys that I like, but I got I keep ending up with Jorge Soler, uh, Lewis Brinson. I'm not saying these are good things, but uh, late after 300, Jorge Soler, Lewis Brinson— I like Brandon Belt. He was very good before his appendectomy, and then after coming off the DL, he had a 572 OPS. It sunk his numbers, but Belt is not dead, and he goes like 350th. He could be certainly suitable. Can they suitable. just trade him? Well, either Carol way. Park and concussion concern. Like, it's such a bad park for left-handed hitters that I, I think he would be probably a top 10 uh, first baseman if he played in a neutral park, but that park just it kills power for left-handed hitters so much that... It, doesn't matter. It's hard he's, for him to do. It. He's still good at 350th overall. Sure. Is, is what Especially I'm Especially in a points league. And yes, and uh, in, in a in a points league, you're not going 350 deep though. Like if if we're setting 300 as the range, we're pretty much taking like a 12 team head to head out of it because that's you know 252 players are drafted in the standard head to head format, so we're getting pretty well beyond that. Which isn't to say Belt couldn't contribute at some point in the season, just that you don't have any incentive to aim for him in right. the draft. Well, I'm sorry I brought him up. Uh, this was uh, obviously a huge mistake. Some pitchers... <laughs> no, it's... <laughs> I'm just, I just want to put the, the, the format into context here, so... How would Brandon Belt change your strategy in a head-to-head categories <laughs> league with daily lineups? Where it's a six-by-six. Uh, right, so if you win... If you're just getting, like, one win per week, and dog you go six and four... Dog. Adam... Adam, you can't you can't shame anyone after your dog frog thing. I guess I'm the sorry. way the way you That's say the it, rule. they do sort of rhyme. 
But the way I say it, they certainly don't. Um, okay, Tuki Toussaint, Zach Eflin, Luke Weaver were three pitchers that really stood out as late round picks that we'll be drafting. Who else, guys? Who else? Go for it and give me, you know, make it snappy. Yeah, I like all those guys. I like Michael Pineda. Sure. Luke Weaver. Uh, um, Luke Weaver. He already said, I think. <laughs> Matt Strom. There you go. Matt Strom definitely fits. I, t- I draft Steven Souza so much and I understand the risks there with him, but he's 342 over the last five days in ADP. He's free. Tyler O'Neill, Ryan Zimmerman, actually, I think we've kind of cast him off as dead again, even though he was really good in 2017 and really good after he came back from his injury uh, last year. So I'm not giving up on him. I've drafted drafted him as a bench bat multiple times. Okay. And Ryan McMahon is not in the is inside the top 300 lately, but you still might be able to get him really late. Scott, was there anyone you wanted to add? I'm um, just trying to see if they make the cut. Jeff McNeil has actually moved inside the top 300 barely, but he is somebody I'm drafting a lot in my 15-team Roto Leagues. Brandon Lau is basically free, and among a big mass of players competing for playing time in Tampa Bay, both between the outfield and first base and DH, he's been the best this spring by far. I don't understand why he doesn't get hyped more. His offensive potential seems very high. So he's also somebody I've been drafting in those deeper leagues. Ryan McMahon, I mean, he's he should not be outside the top 300. And I think over the last week, he's just barely inside it. But that's still not high enough, Ryan McMahon. Yeah, like, he's 294 over the last week on NFBC. Yeah, yeah. And overall, he's like 350. So that's – you need to draft him much higher than that. This guy's, um, this guy's going 273 overall. Did anybody say Hunter Strickland? Because how is he not the Mariners' closer? When you get to the point where we're, we're guessing who closers are, like Strickland probably is. He's the 35th reliever off the board. Yeah. You, yeah. The, the appeal to him is you're not guessing. He is the closer. And I think, well, an interesting thing about him is if you are counting the series in Japan, those two teams play six games in week one while the most any other team plays is four. I mean, that alone makes Strickland must start. Okay. Good stuff, guys. Overdrafted and underdrafted players. Real quick, some team name Tuesday. Pokemon Kata. Very good. Javier Biased. Biased? Yeah. Yeah. Aren't you glad you use Dahl? Apparently an old Dial commercial. Aren't you glad you use oh. Dial? Mm-hmm. Uh, what's our victor, Victor Mesa? What's our victor? Very good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Bieber Fam Club? Bieber Fam yeah. Club? Uh, one of our... One of our listeners drafted Snell, Darvish, and Bader, and he did Snell, you Bader. Yep. That's good. And then there's Hand, you Yoannis, which is, you know. This is a family <laughs> program, Adam. My uh, God. Vadoman Empire. Vadoman Empire. An bit of goody. Very good, yeah. Uh, the Bauer Rangers. Very good. And the Guriel with the dragon tattoo. Excellent. It's a good round. Those are solid. Yeah. yeah. Good round of team. Solid crop. So let's get to it. Overdrafted players. What did I do, Heath? You've got a list here of overdrafted oh, yeah. players. And the first four names are names that we've all talked about and agreed upon. They're being drafted too high. <laughs> there could be some debate about Ronald Acuna and what his upside is or Javier or Baez and whether last year was real. You can talk about Glaber Torres and Andujar, the Yankees. Why in the world is Mitch Hanniger 
on this list as an overdrafted player at 85th overall when he finished 33rd overall in rotisserie leagues last year, and it was essentially the same guy he was the year before. Okay, yeah, so first of all, I did compile a little bit of a list, and it had been the guys that we had talked about a lot. Acuna, ninth overall, we think he's more of a mid to late second round pick. Javier Baez, 19th overall, we're thinking third or fourth round. Gleyber Torres, 58th overall, and Duhar, 81st overall. I, those were sort of uh, ones that we had established overdrafted. Hanniger is boring to me, and he goes ahead of Puig, Dahl, and Conforto. And those are like these three outfielders that we seem to love their upside. I don't think Hanniger has nearly that upside. So that's why I think Hanniger— does he not have nearly Conforto's upside? I, I can understand the other two. But I could I see Conforto like... hitting 35 homers. I don't think I could see Mitch Hanniger doing that. I don't know. Like okay. He's had exactly the same home run to fly ball rate the last two years at 15.8%, and maybe that's just what it will always be. But a lot of what comes from upside is just guys having a, a semi-fortunate year in terms of something like that or BABIP. And I don't know why he couldn't have one year with a 20% home run to fly ball ratio. He could, but I think Conforto's like baseline level could be around that. Uh, I Han- think the raw power for Conforto is better. Hanniger has a ballpark problem. He's had about an 800 OPS it, in, at home two straight years. It's the same ballpark he's played in the last two years, and though, he, and when he, he was a number 33 player in, in fantasy last okay, year. Okay, because he, he played a full season, and he was good. He was very good, but he wasn't... You know, I don't think right. I'm a, not saying you should draft him at 33rd. I think that I think the three guys that I mentioned five picks later. I think the three guys that I mentioned that go after him uh, still so they should be underdrafted. They are, or they're appropriately drafted, and Hanniger's <laughs> overdrafted. That's how I see it. I think Hanniger should be more like a hundredth, hundred uh, tenth overall person. Well, if you think all those guys have more upside than what Hanniger did last year, you think all those guys have second to third round upside be top 25 players in I, fantasy yeah i think i think then they're not appropriately drafted around pick 100 it, it, you know because look they're always going to go they're always going to finish ahead of closers right but but it's position scarcity they're going to finish ahead of catchers in all likelihood well real muto and sanchez like guys get injured it, it's not a it's not a translate a translation a perfect translation where a guy finished and where he should be drafted like Hanniger played i understand i'm just i'm not saying take him at 30 30 yeah Okay, so so what do you guys think other than Heath? Hanniger, 85th overall, is he overdrafted? I think it's fine. I never take him. I don't think I have a single Mitch Hanniger share this. That's because I take him at like 65th. Yeah, I've but, got but I also, I'm just not super excited about him. Exactly. It's not that he's bad. Yeah. I'm just Boring. He's kind of right, I kind of get what you're saying, yeah. Adam. Like, I'd rather wait for that next wave than settle for Hanniger. But I don't think it's overdrafted, necessarily. Right. Okay. Although you did mention Yasiel Puig, he's going quite a bit higher than Hanniger, isn't he? Uh, if he is, then that's my bad. I'm sorry. I didn't think. Yeah, because I think at least on NFBC, it's no. 62nd <laughs> over the last. Uh... Oh, okay. Well, it, on Fantasy Pros, he's going actually three picks after Hanniger. Um, yeah. But but uh... on uh, Yahoo, he's going three picks before Hanniger. Oh, and I'll tell you another guy who. Okay, then forget about Puig. And so, so NFBC, then... he's going by far the highest. Puig. Yeah, 62nd so, so overall. Let me give you the three outfielders, the updated three outfielders. A.J. Pollock, David Dahl, and Michael Conforto, I would rather have over Hanniger. And they're all I would rather have, yeah, I think those guys all have more, at least Pollock and Dahl have more five-category potential than Hanniger does. All right, you guys take it over. Who else is overdrafted? Uh, I'm just using Yahoo, 
ADP, and I've got uh, four or five names here. Some of them were the same. So Christian Yelich is going eighth overall on Yahoo Drafts, and I don't think that's too far from some other um, sites. I just I've gotten to the point now where I'd rather have Aaron Judge. I'd definitely rather have some of those infielders. There's going to be a big drop in his power numbers, likely a significant drop in his batting average, and I just I think he's better served as a second round pick maybe even a late second. Uh, Edwin Diaz is going 52nd overall on Yahoo. It's not just because closers go really early. He's going a round and a half, two rounds ahead of the, the next group of closers. I expect him to be very good. I don't expect him to be the number one closer, and I'm not paying a premium for him over the other closers. I had Glaber Torres and Miguel Andujar on that list. Mike Fultonevich still has an ADP of 120 overall. We've looked at some of the last three days stuff. A lot of times he's going 150, 160. I don't think he should go in the top 200. Then again, I didn't think he should go in the top 150 before he was hurt. And Jay Happ is going 137th overall on Yahoo. I think his NFBC ADP is around 200. He's fine, I guess, for a late-round starting pitcher. I don't think he's going to be a top 25 option, though. Happ has weirdly moved up a lot as draft season has gone on. Um, I don't think we learned anything new about him. Uh, over the last month, but he's up to 141st over the last week on NFBC. And that's, that's what I'm looking at. Like, I'm looking at the last week for NFBC to try to get some of the latest trends. Um, so I've got three overdrafted and three underdrafted. Christian Yelich at sixth overall, just like Heath said. I just, I don't think he's worth the first half of the first round pick. Um, there's, like Heath said, just tons of regression coming, even though he will be good. Xander Bogarts is 45th which that seems wow. way too rich mm-hmm. uh, in a world where you could get, you know, Gene Segura probably three or four rounds later. Uh, I just, I, I don't see the point in that. And then Jamison Tyone is 53rd. Mm-hmm. And like, I was the biggest Jamison Tyone fan this time a year ago, but a borderline top 50 pick for that guy. I think he's good, but that's, yeah. That's board. That, that, that's that's Steven. That, he's going ahead of Steven Strasburg over the last week on another, NFBC. That's, that's wild. Another case. That's another case where NFBC is the outlier among the ADP sources. Yep. On other on other sites, he goes more like seventieth. Tyone. And then three being underdrafted. I get the concerns with Bryce Harper not playing much in the spring, signing late. Now has this ankle foot thing. Although he's playing through it, he's been really bad in the spring. But he's 18th overall. And we know this guy has number one overall potential. He's basically played at that level two of the last four years. You're not going to get that kind of upside from someone who's done it before uh, in the late mid to late second round. So I think he's a great value there. Uh, Clayton Kershaw at 60th, given that the injury concerns are not entirely behind him, but he's going to be, he should be in the rotation Within the first couple of turns, I think 60th is great value for him. And this is one that I've just disagreed with everybody on this podcast all spring long. Ken Giles is 149th. I think that's way too low. He might just have a mental block that makes it so that he just will have these meltdowns forever. But every single one of his peripherals, pretty much every year, I think there might have been one bad peripheral season, has suggested that he is one of the best closers in baseball. That was the case last year. The the peripherals were, for the most part, very good. I mean, 308 FIP, 
It was, yeah, that's that's good. And his strikeouts went down last year. It was weird, kind of his walk. Sure, but Roberto Ozuna's strikeouts went down last right. year, and we're we're still drafting him as an elite closer. That's true. Uh, Ozuna does pitch for a better team, but yeah, we I, have seen a a super elite uh, Ken Giles before, and nobody's drafting him as if that's possible. Well, I'm not drafting him to be super elite because he's not on a super elite team anymore. But I actually would disagree that you've been on on Giles Island because I have also been very high on Giles because for whatever he he gave up I think he had a .35 ERA in same situations he had twenty six I don't know if that matters well I I think it might I mean I think there's a mental aspect here with Ken Giles and just use him properly make him the closer you know put him in same situations and and he is the closer for them so and that goes a long way in 2019. So I would agree uh, with that. And let me just get back to Harper. I know Scott, you gotta you gotta get in here as well. But uh, is Harper going ahead of Charlie Blackman? Um, I can check that. Yeah, I think the answer is yes. But I would no. Like... Blackman's twenty seventh wow. on NFBC. So Harper's going ahead of him. Week. Yeah, yeah, which is ridiculous. Charlie Blackman, twenty seventh overall. Thank your lucky stars if you get him there. That is absurd value. Yeah, I, I would base my if I knew I could get him in the third round, I would base my entire draft strategy on taking Charlie Blackman in the third round. Um, and, and then I, like, I wanted to. A few weeks ago, I was Harper over Yelich, and I, I was, Heath, you said you take Judge over Yelich. Scott, let me get you and, in there. And Harper. Oh, you would take a. Uh, where would you take Yelich, Scott? Would you take Harper over him? Would you take Judge over him? I would take. Yelich, the highest of those three, uh, because I feel like, I mean, I, I give him more credit, more credit for power than I think Heath is. I, I'm going to set the over under on home runs at 29 and a half this year. And, um, you know, the rest of his profile seems pretty safe. Right. So he's, yeah, I'm, I'm, I haven't had occasion to draft him yet. I, he always seems to go higher than I look, I'm willing to look at him, but. Late first round, I think, is appropriate for Yelich. Scott, give me some underdrafted and overdrafted players. So I think the single most overdrafted player, and we touched on this when we were doing our mock draft live on Friday, is Ahmed Rosario, who is a full 50 picks earlier than I'm picking him and goes ahead of Billy Hamilton. The reason that's important, the Hamilton note, is because I'm not sure what anybody's drafting Rosario for other than stolen bases, which Hamilton, I would expect to deliver twice as many. There's batting average and home run upside with Rosario. He's not a I wish wish you would show it. I wish you would show it. He did hit about 280 over the final two months last year, but it was with a very high BABIP, and it came at the expense of whatever little power he had because he basically stopped elevating the ball to put together that 280 batting average. Uh, it doesn't get on base much at all. And the, really, most of the steals came when he was batting leadoff, which he clearly isn't going to do anymore. He's going to bat in the lower part of the lineup. So I'm not... I, I don't get the Ahmed Rosario hype in the least bit. He looks super scrubby to me and <laughs> not somebody who I'm drafting in the middle rounds. All right. Who um, so other overdrafted players... Uh, I mean, Glaber Torres is one we talk about a lot. Cody Bellinger we talked about a lot yesterday. Uh, guys who 
I just think not enough of the risk is factored in. Like people are viewing them with rose tinted glasses, seeing a best case scenario for each of them, or at least close to it. Underdrafted players. Uh, I mean, a lot of these are my favorites. Zach Granke, Jose Abreu, Scooter Jeanette. I think Justin Turner, maybe we don't talk about him enough. Um, just how studly he is when he's in the lineup. And like, especially last year when he overcame the broken handmade bone in his hands, because when he first came off the DL, he wasn't hitting for power at all. And then the last two months, his numbers exploded. And he was like, I feel like he is as good as any third baseman on a per game basis, any of them, like even Nolan Arenado. If Wynn Turner's in the lineup, he is that productive in fantasy and he tends to go in like round eight or nine on average. Mm-hmm. So somebody I like drafting a lot at third base. Robinson Cano. Um, I'm not really sure why he gets downgraded so much. I guess just because he's old. But he has been very consistent in terms of playing over the last few years. The last time he didn't play 150 games in a season that wasn't because of the suspension last year um, was like 10 years ago or something stupid. And I, I think that's partially the result of the suspension is why he's being underrated. Um, yes. But what we've seen, he's 36, so that's part of it. But he wasn't going 100 and, what, what is it, 110th overall? Around there, yeah. I, last year. Right. I, one year older, but he still hit last year. He was still very good. I don't think, I don't worry about like whatever he was taking was causing him to produce at a level that he can't sustain. But he's 36 years old and was able to play in 150 games every single year, probably because of whatever he was taking. Sure, but you tend to gain – players tend to keep those gains. This I, is something I that, think they keep the performance gains. I don't know that you're going to keep the health benefits. I, I, I don't, don't know, know what, what he was taking – for how from, long he was taking anything, first of Sure. All. From, from what I understand, uh, you tend – once you stop taking them, you do still tend to keep those gains. Maybe he won't be able to stay healthy, but – at 110th overall, given the potential that he has and how well he's produced over the last few years. I mean, he's a, he's kind of a, an accumulator now. He doesn't have that much he's, potential. Exactly. He is an accumulator. It's well, a no. 20 to 25 at, homers, 70 to 80 runs. We're going to hit 280, maybe 290. Well, no. His, his run in RBI totals with, with the Mariners were very high. I mean, like 80 plus every, every he's, year. He's hit. 298, 280, and 303 over the last three seasons, too. So 290. Yeah. Okay, so definite that's right. batting average help. I think definite run help. I'm just looking at the, at the ATC proje- projection. It's 285, mm-hmm. 21 homers, 78 runs, 85 RBI. That seems pretty reasonable. Okay, so this is Robinson Cano we're but talking about. But he is about. a dinosaur, so. Let me, let me read, and he's, he's usually better in points leagues. He does not strike out a lot. Let me read uh, an email here. It's an interesting email, kind of piggybacking on this conversation. It is from JD from a large town in Colorado with all the microbreweries Heath could dream of. Wow. Yeah. Boulder? Sure. Hmm. I know you guys are not exactly fond of second base this year, but I feel like there's tons of value in the mid-rounds. Daniel Murphy, he's kind of inching toward the early rounds. Scooter Jeanette, Robinson Cano. Travis Shaw, Mike Moustakis. I've been really targeting Jeanette in my mocks, but I'm wondering why take Jeanette when I can get uh, Cano two or three rounds later? That's exactly what I was going to say. And and I would expect them to produce about the same. Maybe Jeanette's a little safer, but 
Yeah. Cano might have more upside. I, I won't be the guy arguing for taking Scooter Jeanette, although I don't think I gave any underdrafted players. Oh, well, we have a few minutes Thanks. left. I thought we were all doing overdrafted it, and then we were all doing underdrafted, and I did all my overdrafted, and then never came back to me. Fire away with a few names. Um, speaking of second baseman, yeah, Travis Shaw, 113th overall. Adalberto Mondesi, Scott, you need to get in some Yahoo leagues. <laughs> Mondesi going 68th why overall. Are you, why are you fixated on the Yahoo ADP? I don't like. I, under, I, just, I understand NFBC because you can make it more well, recent. Because it's fantasy we're, pros. We're catering to a to a large we, audience. We have a lot why of. You mentioned CBS ADP once, like. No, there's a reason understand. for this. The, the reason is we Heath discuss is, CBS ADP, ADP too, don't we? Heath is prepping for an article that he's writing. So, well, uh, but I also I also yeah. do think there's value in there is finding places that you can get either value or know where to avoid guys in different leagues because the the default rankings, the default projections are going to be different no matter where you play, and obviously you should sure. play on CBS Sports commissioner product it's the only but place sometimes he's been, he's been citing yahoo adp in cases where it's normal too so I mean, whatever, it's not that big of a deal Go wow on. it's really bothering Heath, you, you, should, the, you should play in some yahoo league Heath, do you have a job Michael offer Brantley, that we need to know about go ahead well it's not it's not like a it's not a, like a street gang that we have to fight them yeah. all right we got we got, uh, we got two minutes left 20th overall we got two minutes left who you got who's 120th michael brantley okay. wilson ramos is the last catcher going at 155 the last good catcher and then Shane Bieber at 157. Okay. It's basically all of Heath's sleepers. <laughs> <laughs> About 40 picks later. Uh, thank you very much, everybody, for listening. Tomorrow, I want to talk about Madison Bumgarner. Why don't you tell me real quick where Bumgarner's going? And then we'll, we're going to talk about it tomorrow. Where's, where's Bumgarner going? 105, I think. Yeah, you sure on Yahoo, of course. Why not? Thank you for listening to the Yahoo 80. CBS Fantasy Baseball today. 88. Okay. Um, all right, so uh, we'll talk about Bumgarner tomorrow. We'll talk about some other stuff tomorrow. We'll talk about our head-to-head points mock draft that we're doing today. That's coming up on tomorrow's show. For Scott, for Creed. For, yeah. Yeah, for Scott, for Creed. <laughs> I'm Adam. <laughs> See you later, everybody. We'll talk to you on Wednesday.